but then uh, I became a counselor system coordinator, which is a system for care and guidance uh, for devotees. And uh, I also got some professional training in life coaching from the Newcastle College. Uh, I attended three long courses and uh, I have been working with over 300 ISKCON devotees, many of them leaders, over the past eight years in about 1,500 sessions. So my program is called basically Helping Devotees Succeed and I help devotees succeed in different areas like sadhana, service, relationships, leadership, even health and things like that and uh, because Prabhupada said Sarve Sukhino Bhavantu, let everyone become happy so this program of coaching is meant to actually make this happen. Thank you. So, what I thought we could do tonight is discuss some of the topics we've been discussing, review a little bit, and then I'm going to ask Akura how he would counsel or coach someone who had some of the obstacles that we discussed. So one of one of the well, before we go, I want to let you know I'm modeling the latest fashion from Christian.com. You may think, why is Mahatma all decked out? Because he's normally pretty much a slob or on the borderline of being a slob. And now he's all decked out like some Bollywood star. This is the latest fashion from Christian.com. And it can be yours today for only. Um, and if you buy it tonight, you'll get the one that I'm wearing with my autograph on it. So anyway... Um, I'm modeling Christian.com's latest Bollywood fashions. Me too. How, how do you like it? And he's modeling my quarta because he didn't have one. <laughs> so that explains it all. So, okay, so the very first course that I gave on forgiveness, I dealt with one major hurdle that comes up every time I do my seminars on forgiveness. And it also comes up in many, many aspects of life. And it's the big, I can't come into a situation and we say, I can't do this. We've all experienced that. We're challenged. We need to get beyond where we're at. We get out of our comfort zone and we just say, I can't do it. It's too difficult. It's not my nature. It's not the way I am. I've tried it before. I've tried. I failed. I don't want to do it, I'm not motivated, whatever it is, it just comes out, I can't. And I mentioned to you that in the process of giving up resentment, the first stage is to overcome the I can't. Because if we don't overcome that, then we've given up from stage one. So now I want to ask Akura, let's take take the example that I have an issue with someone, someone who's hurt me, and hurt me so deeply and I come to Akura and I say, this is my issue and I've tried to forgive and I just can't, it's not possible. And I give him various reasons why I can't because of this, that, that, or that. And so I want to ask Akura in general, just like make this a general question, a global question. When somebody comes to you and says, I can't, what's your, you know, specifically we're talking about forgiveness, but like let's, Let's go broadly, just in general, the I can't. How would you deal with that? Well, I would ask you, why do you think you can't? What are the reasons you can't uh, forgive or you can't accomplish anything? And then we will look at these reasons. And then 
I will ask you to explain a little bit more about each of them, why you can't do this. So while you are talking about this, you will see yourself, you will increase your awareness of the excuses that you give. And I would also ask you, what would you like to have in your life? Would you like to have excuses or results? So usually everyone says, I want results. So then they have to learn how to... Uh, avoid excuses and look how to achieve results and uh, <coughs> regarding uh, forgiveness it's very very important to see your situation from the objective point of view and from the spiritual point of view what do you mean by objective well like a third person to see what's happening there so in coaching we also use uh, perceptual positions where you stand uh, away from your situation even physically I would ask you to get up and then look at yourself and at your issues as someone else and try to be as objective as you can and uh, like if like if I give you all these excuses yes. then you might do something like say okay if someone gave all those excuses to you what would you tell them exactly yeah so you get out of your role as yeah. the abused accused yeah. and then pretend as if someone came to you and you had to advise them. And yeah. Also, I, I ask, what if you would be a world expert on these kind of issues? How would you deal with this? Mm -hmm. And then your perspective, or devotees' perspective usually changes. They start to think a bit differently. First, they are a bit confused. They say, what do you mean if I'm a world expert? I'm not a world expert. And, you know, I came to you for help. And, but then I push a little bit and I say, well, just try to imagine, just forget about yourself, try to imagine you are the world expert on these kind of issues, what would you say? And very often they come up with very, very good ideas. So, okay, let's go back to the excuse thing. And so you're, you're saying, when somebody's saying, I can't, typically that's um, embedded with excuses. So yes. is there a so it's just the whole idea of excuse. Is there a, a step, if we go back behind the excuse, is there a certain mentality or attitude that creates excuses? And are there certain people that just don't have excuses? They look at situations and they're always objectively looking at solutions rather than excuses. So is it, is it a kind of mindset for some people? Well, it's a habit of thinking. And uh, in order to be more successful, even in spiritual life, I think we have to change our thinking change the way we think so <clears throat> everyone has a tendency to make excuses and we have to consciously actually work on giving up that habit if we understand that that that, that will help us actually achieve our goals and succeed in life so we have to give up excuses otherwise we will remain stuck forever okay so if, if you're coaching me and you see that I'm making, like you're asking me questions and I'm telling you pretty regularly why I can't do that or that's not possible, yeah. and you see that tendency in me, what would you, how would you deal with that? Would you point that out or would you look for some belief behind that or what um, would you ask me to do? Well, I would first ask you, who are you? <laughs> What is your identity? And if you understand that you're a spirit soul, 
then you also understand that you are Satchitananda, uh, eternal, full of knowledge and bliss. So within yourself you have a potential to do anything. And if you properly connect to Krishna or to God, then you can do anything if you become an instrument in his hands. Krishna has says in the Bhagavad Gita, I am the ability in man. So if you have proper understanding and uh, proper conclusion about your situation, then uh, the starting point is that actually I can do anything I want if Krishna allows me to do. If, and if I properly connect to him. So you're, so you're helping them get beyond the what I can do according to my analysis or estimation, what my abilities are or yeah. aren't, and then look beyond that and go, okay, there's Krishna. Yeah. And so I don't have to limit myself. Yes. Yeah. You can go beyond your conditioning. You can go beyond the modes of nature. And uh, there is quotes. Uh, in my seminars, I show these quotes to devotees. There are Prabhupada says, by the mercy of Krishna, anything is possible. By the mercy of a Vaishnava, anything is possible. Uh, if you do sacrifice, anything is possible. So, if we want something, then we can achieve it, if Krishna allows us, but we have to give up this, this, these ways of thinking that, uh, that really uh, prevent us from doing this. And making excuses is just uh, one of these uh, limiting ways of thinking. So, is there a point where I can't is realistic? Like, maybe I can do these three things, but I come to this and I say I can't, and will you sometimes objectively say, yes, that's true, don't try for that, that will be too much, or will you say you can always go further than you think you can, even the I can't, maybe you can't fly to the moon, but you can get halfway there. You can always make a first step. Maybe you can't forgive someone, but you can dream of forgiving them. You can think about how it would look like, what it would do to you. Would this please Krishna? And uh, how this will free you from all the anxiety and all the resentment that you are holding within your heart. So, there, if you the think... The possibility. There's always... Yeah? The possibility. Maybe I can't do it today, but be yeah. open to the possibility. Yeah, the, be open to the possibility. Yeah. So... Maybe the, the event is too close, so you need some time. And if you chant, then you know the mind will get purified and the heart will get purified. And you will get the spiritual strength to, to forgive anyone and to tolerate anything and to be as great saints were dealing with problems and with you know harassments from other people. And if we take spiritual perspective, we if we understand that Nothing is an accident that the, the fact that people have offended me and hurt me uh, has a deep meaning. And there is a lesson also behind it to learn. So we have to practice uh, being Shastra Chakshu, in having spiritual vision of what happens to us. Uh, so so you're, you're, saying, are you saying, you're saying a devotee should see if somebody hurts me? That somehow or other, either by Krishna's arrangement or by my past activities, yeah, it's not an accident. Yeah, it's not. An so accident. why is it? This is something. Okay, this is like fundamental principle of Krishna consciousness. Like, mm. okay, it's fundamental. But when it happens, I would say when something really bad happens, 
about 99% of the time, we don't see it that way. Because, because it seems like our nature is to think, I didn't deserve that. What yes. did I do to deserve that? Yeah. And it, it, it's just, it's, it's so interesting that something which is so ingrained in both us and our philosophy, so fundamental in our philosophy and so ingrained in our consciousness, mm. it's not, it, it's like you think, when something bad happens to us, you'd think, well, that's the first thing we would think of. That would be the, the first, oh, I deserve this. But normally, it's like it's like the last thing we think of. It's like, why, why, why is that something that that we're so conscious of when it happens to us? Like if it happens to somebody else, oh, Prabhu, you know, you can kind of see, especially if you don't like the person. You go, oh, well, he deserved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it depends where is your heart and how what is the state of your consciousness. So. If we are not able to apply these high principles, this means we haven't advanced enough. And uh, so we have to take more seriously our practice, our japa, our reading, and delve more deeply into our philosophy. I just attended uh, in New Vrindavan, a festival of inspiration, I attended a presentation by uh, Mother Archana Siddhi and her husband, Karnamita Prabhu, and it was it, it was uh, called finding gems in misfortune. Mm. It was about how to see good in bad. It was amazing. They didn't speak much. They invited us to share our stories, how the th- bad things that happened to us helped us grow, helped us you know stretch and advance. So, if one is able to see opportunity in every problem, then he will be able to grow in Krishna consciousness. So in other words, if something bad happens to us, or somebody hurts us in some way, yeah. naturally, because we're hurt, yeah. it's extremely difficult to see, oh, this is Krishna giving me a lesson, a gem. Yeah. So, if we change our mentality, and and so if we're in the proper framework that, that everything is a gift from Krishna, then I think at that point we can overcome that emotional response because then we'll think, you know, okay, I'm a devotee, so if Krishna's sending this to me, he's in control of my life, there's a reason for it, and he wants me to learn something from it, I can accept it positive. Like, there's a saying that the environment is favorable. Everything in the environment is favorable. Everything is your guru. Everything in the environment is guru because everything's teaching you yes. if you accept it that way. Yeah. Guru is everywhere. And it said, in the spiritual world, everyone is guru because everyone is reminding you of Krishna. Yeah. So instead of a situation causing us to react in a way we forget Krishna and think, why me? I didn't deserve this. And accuse others or blame others. If we see, no, Krishna's orchestrating, and then we just have to stand back. We may not understand it. Stand back. Okay, why? Krishna, what are you? What kind of gems are you giving me here? What do they say when people throw lemons at you? Make lemon juice? Lem- make lemonade? <laughs> when life throws lemons at you, make lemonade. <laughs> you ever heard that one? No. Yeah. When life, like life throws lemons at you, make lemonade. So, any of you on the chat, you want to ask any questions? Um, we'll take a minute. Okay, I've been forgiven for being decked out. Thank you, Dr. Greg. I'll never do it again. 
My wife is happy when I deck out because I don't like to deck out. <laughs> I think it's a little pretentious, but, you know, anyway. Um, we'd appreciate during the show if we could keep questions and comments related to... Yes, that's Udi. So in... Uh, we want to welcome Dr. Greg. Dr. Greg sent me some emails and he was really happy that we're doing A Course on Forgiveness. And he read an article which I sent to him. It's called My Resentment. And that article was posted on dundavats.com. If you know about dundavats, D-A, what is it? Dunda? D-A-N-D-A-V-A-T-S dot com. I posted that about a year ago. It's called My Resentment. It must be in the archives there. And... There's several devotees that, that wrote me and told me that article helped him. So it's all about my, how I dealt with my personal issues of resentment. And it, I think it's, it relates a lot to other people. So, yeah, dundavats.com. If it's not there, if you don't find it there, send me an email, mahatma.acbsp at pamho.com. Dot net. Oh, excuse me. Is it? Yeah. Pamho.net. And just ask me for that article, My Resentment, and I'll send it. And I I am um, building a new website. It'll be on there someday. We're, we're making it much better. Okay, uh, Joseph came. T. Joseph came late. This is Akuradas. He's visiting from London. He's a Transcendental Spiritual Life Coach in charge of Gita coaching. He teaches coaching. He coaches devotees. If you want to be coached by Akura, he will do it without charge. He'll do it for a donation whatever you want to offer. He can do it by phone, but he's now in America. He can do it by Skype, by email. And Akura was also my coach because uh, many, many years ago I was developing seminars and it wasn't coming together as quickly as I would have liked it to. And Akura kept pushing me. He said, just every day, just work on it, work on it, build momentum. And he got me going with so much momentum, I totally neglected my business and went into debt because I was working so much on it. Anyway, I've created a better balance now. But he, Akura is very expert at helping devotees see through the obstacles. And whenever I would say, this is why I can't do it, he said, don't say why you can't do it, just figure out how to do it. So it's like so simple, but, but you think about it. Whenever you're up against an obstacle, and you think how you can't do it, it's not productive. So he would always say, don't think how, why you can't do it, just think how to do it. And and it was so helpful. So he, I highly recommend him. Let's give everyone Akura's email address. It is what? Akurura at pamho.net A-K-R-U-R-A at pamho.net A-K-R- U-R-A. Yeah, so feel free to um, email Akura and set up, if you like, he can set up coaching sessions. It's it's amazing um, what happens in coaching because there's accountability to another person. He's going to ask you to do certain things each week and he's going to meet you the next week and ask you, did you do them? And if you didn't, you're going to have to face this guy. Look at you're going to be able to face him and not do it? I don't think so. <laughs> he's going <laughs> to he's going to say what excuse? Why? 
Well, I uh, help people be accountable to their own goals. Yeah. Not to yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> He's just helping you achieve what you want to achieve that you're procrastinating on or you're feeling kind of help. You ever feel like helpless? I don't know how to do this. So, you know, he'll, he'll help you. He'll help you come up with your own your own answers. In in my company, which is called Touchstone Training, my motto is, I have questions, you have answers. So that's the, the coaching. You know, you know, in America, we have Radio Shack. And if you call Radio Shack, they'll answer the phone, at least they used to, and they say, you've got questions, we've got answers. <laughs> hello, Radio Shack. You've got questions, we've got answers. So with my company, it's, hello, I've got questions, you've got answers. So, you know, the typical scenarios, you ask the guru questions. But also, sometimes you can reverse that, and the guru will ask you questions because it will it will activate the Dadami Buddha Yogamtam, the guru within you, to go deeper. Okay, so I want to ask Akura another question. Another, another thing that we've been talking about a lot, which is fundamental to the forgiveness or giving up resentment, which is also fundamental to to so many things in our life, achievements we want to attain and success and our spiritual success is this whole idea of choice and, and a lot of times it seems like we're up against a wall and we don't have a choice it's, it's like I have to do this there is no choice and I know many many people when they're hurt they feel they can't forgive there's, there's not even a question of choosing to forgive it's beyond you know, let's say something very very terrible happened to you or some person a very evil person treated you in an inhumane way, treated you like a non-entity, and, and then you feel, there's no way possible I can forgive this person. I have no choice. And I had mentioned that I had read a book on forgiveness called, I think it was called Total Forgiveness by a pastor. And right in the foreword, he said, forgiveness is a choice. And when I read that, I didn't believe it. I said, it's not a choice. You, you, if, with some people, it's just... You can't. So how would you deal with that? Somebody comes to you and says, it's not a choice. I can't. It, it's just I have no choice in the matter. Yeah, I usually mention this uh, quote that I've heard in some training seminars. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom to choose our response and lie our happiness and growth. So you can always choose how you respond to any situation. So if you would tell me, well, I have no choice, I have to respond like this, I would ask you, is this the best you can, the way <laughs> you can respond? And uh, also, what would be the consequence of, consequences of this response or this choice? Let's go through the consequences. If you don't forgive this person, how would you feel? How would that fe- person feel? Uh, what would be your relationship? What would be your relationship with others? Because you'll, you will feel in a certain way. And let's look at all the consequences. Because you are choosing to respond in a certain way, and this will bring a lot of consequences. Does it pay off? Very nice. We can always... So, so what you're saying is, no matter how difficult the choices are, yeah, can always... Respond in a better way. I can tell you a story. And in also, in order to better uh, make better choices, very powerful tool is powerful questions. You can ask yourself disempowering questions, like, for example, "Why me?" or "Why him?" or "Why he has done this to me?" Or you can ask, "How should I deal with this intelligently?" Or what? Or what Krishna wants me to do in this situation? Or where is Krishna in this whole problem? Let me discover Krishna. Let me become curious. 
Let me see what lesson is there. These kind of questions will help. So there was a guy who was actually uh, Nazis in the um, Second World War. They came to his house, killed his whole family in front of his eyes and took him to a concentration camp so that he would be working hard and they would do experiments on his body and uh, ultimately probably kill him. So he was very different than any other prisoners. He was always asking, how can I escape? And he started to talk to these uh, prisoners and try to find some like friends and mates and people who will join him so that they can escape together. And most of them, almost all of them, they just told, you're just torturing your mind. It's impossible. Just forget about it. Shut up. And he wouldn't stop asking himself this simple, powerful question. How can I escape? And one day, he got an idea. He saw this uh, truck with corpses. <laughs> and he, he got an idea that maybe I just take off my clothes and mix with the corpses and see what happens. Because these uh, trucks, they would unload these corpses outside of the fence. So he was thinking, maybe that's a chance for me to escape. This is exactly what happened. Uh, they, you know, the, the truck went like for a 15-minute drive outside of the, of the fence of the concentration camp and unloaded it. Of course, it's, it was, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was unpleasant being with all these corpses. Some of them already started to decompose. They were lost thinking. And, but he thought maybe it's worth it to, to try. And... Uh, he was very quiet, he wouldn't move, he was waiting until he couldn't hear even a, a very, very uh, little sound of the, the truck. And then he got up and ran to freedom, you know, 25 miles to, to uh, naked. So these questions saved his life. So if we learn to ask uh, the right questions and powerful questions, then we can, we can do anything and we can overcome any problem and any situation. Very nice. Empowering questions. Or disempowering questions. You know, in the uh, Bhagavatam, the famous verse, Tatenu Kampam Sushi Bhikshamano. And mm -hmm. in the <coughs> Prabhupada quotes this verse a lot, and this verse is about how when a devotee suffers, he thinks it's Krishna's mercy. And, and, and the devotee thinks, this is amazing. Uh, I may not think this way. We may not think this way yet. But a devotee, he thinks, whatever is happening to me, I must deserve worse, I'm only getting a token by Krishna's mercy. That's that's the way at least a pure devotee thinks. And so often we think, why me? What did I do to deserve this? And as Akura is saying, it's a disempowering question. And disempowering questions are kind of like putting yourself against a wall and you can't move because you're asking the wrong question. Every time you ask a disempowering question, it's like going against the wall here and that you can't go anywhere. An empowering question is, how can I move forward? So disempowering questions kind of freeze us up. So that's important. So, all right. Okay. T. Joseph, let's read. I just read. want to say something. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to say that the person who benefits the most from forgiving is the one who forgives. Definitely. It's a purely selfish act. <laughs> Even if you don't like the other person and you don't want to know anything about him, but because it's a law of God, if you forgive, then you're free to move on. Then we have to follow this. And, you know, it's, it's, 
again, it's a purely selfish act. I, I want to tell you a story. I, I've seen this many, many times in my seminars, and especially when people have issues with their parents or, or authorities. Mm. So those, those are like, usually the parental issues or issues with higher authorities in cases where people have been abused by them verbally, emotionally, physically, that is the most traumatic. And I have seen again and again in the seminars when people finally let go, their whole face lightens up. And they'll say, I just feel like a heavy burden has been lifted. And it's really interesting <laughs> how negative emotions are like weights. Then we were we were dis I was discussing with another devotee before I came here, how he was saying he was listening to a Christian minister, and the Christian minister was offering to help people with emotional problems, and he was saying if your emotional psychological problems are so deep, you won't be able to open your heart to Jesus because you'll be you're so hurt. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about that last week, how we have to give up the negative to allow the positive to come in. So, being able to release this, these heavy burdens allows our hearts to open to Krishna consciousness. And I had that experience. In that article, I, I, I explained my experience. My experience was kind of the once burnt, twice shy, because I was burnt. It was kind of holding me back from bhakti, because I gave myself, and then I was hurt. And I thought, well, I don't know if I want to do this again. When I gave up my resentment, it had freed myself to more freely give. I, I was no longer afraid of giving. So it was, it was really a stumbling block. In many ways, it, it was like amazing. It, was, it really freed up tons of energy. It also takes energy to hold on to resentment. Mm. It actually takes energy. We're, we're holding on. So, so a lot of energy being wasted holding on to it that could be used for Krishna's service. Now... Let's see what's going on here on the chat. I think we have to go up a little bit. No? Go. Yudi, you can go up a little bit. Okay, we want to see what you guys have been talking about. Um, up a little more? No, 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 no. Make us down, huh? Okay, okay, I got it. In one class, you were talking about chanting and that when chanting, we are begging God for his service and to cleanse us from all illusion. So then everything that is coming, good or bad, is for our benefit. Yes, that's the, that's the transcendental position, that everything is for our benefit. That's a very elevated position. But could you live your life that way? You know how you feel? You feel totally protected by Krishna. Because you feel love. Just like, just like, if you know your parents love you, then anything they do, you just feel that love. Even sometimes they may get upset, but you ultimately understand that they're doing that because they love you. So, so Prabhupada in one lecture, he said, Krishna is protecting his devotee. And if you have faith in that, that whatever happens in your life, it's Krishna's will for you and it's in your best interest. It's just how happy you'll be. You'll be like a little child who has no fear, who always feel, feels they're taken care of. You have nothing to worry about. That's that's the proper attitude. So, um, T. Joseph, 
says, If someone does something bad to me, like family member or so-called godbrother especially, if I forgive them, and even though they are a bad association, do I need to associate with them? No, you don't need to. You can you can forgive and choose uh, who you associate with. It may be... Uh, it's you know we we the, the point is we want to have a good attitude towards everyone and sometimes to have a good attitude towards everyone we may have to choose to be at a distance from some of them because we know if we get too close it may cause friction so that that's okay but the idea is it's it's so important to have proper attitudes towards devotees or you may try to resolve it you may it, if you forgive someone it doesn't mean you don't do anything about the issue and about the relationship and about in one sense, stopping any abuse that might come after. Uh, because sometimes devotees, they try to be nice and forgiving, but then people take advantage of it. So, uh, I know of a mother who made sure that the boy who killed her daughter ends up in prison, and she completely forgave him, and she visited him, and she helped him so much to survive this... You know, time in prison. So she made sure that justice is fulfilled, but within, internally, she forgave him. So we have to also protect ourselves from any f- uh, further abuse as much as we can, but within, we know this is God's arrangement for me to learn something. And what I learned from being abused and mistreated by people, that I, I learned that I'm never going to be like this. Mm, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's a great lesson. I like that. I <laughs> I learned that lesson also. <laughs> that's a, that's such a good lesson. I think a lot of people learn that when they're mistreated by by their authorities or their parents or whoever, they think that way. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I want to say one thing that if you don't forgive, you get remain stuck in the material energy and material consciousness. If you forgive, you create a platform for being elevated to the spiritual platform, so or foundation. So it, it really connects us. When we are able, when, when we do this stretch to forgive and know that it pleases God, then we are more close to Krishna, actually. you think so? Yeah. Um, another, thing, another thing which is important, we've been talking about the, the concept of practice, practice doing something which may not come naturally then it goes back to the I I can't how can I choose okay we can make a, a choice to practice something I don't perhaps you may be saying oh, this all sounds really good and really Krishna conscious but Mahatma and Akura don't know what I've been through where I come from the modes I'm in how fallen I am so when you're dealing on that level, you simply have to embrace the concept of practice. Because it may sound like, well, what we're talking about is open your heart, purify it, be magnanimous, be a saint, be transcendental, which is, in a sense, we're talking about that, but there's another sense in which we're talking about is is the practice. Okay, you don't feel like forgiving. You're not a sadhu. You, you come from the wrong side of the city, your background is not so nice. You, your family never forgave. Your friends never. You don't come from that environment. You come, whatever it may be. So, but at least you can practice. Okay, I don't feel like doing this, 
but I'm not going to act on my feelings. I'm going to practice it. And so you can look at forgiveness as a sadhana, a sadhana of forgiveness. And by doing that sadhana, what's going to happen? What did Prabhupada say? When one devotee went to him and said, Srila Prabhupada, I do not feel like bowing down. And Prabhupada said, bow down anyway. And by bowing down, what will happen? You'll feel it. So to like it. Yeah, it becomes natural. So, um, so let's read on. You know, you know, you look like uh, in this question you're asking about relationships, and you know, administrators, military men, police officers, uh, judges. Oftentimes, they have to punish, but the ideal. The ideal is to punish and have a forgiving heart. You may have to punish. That may be necessary. But forgiveness can also be there simultaneously. It's not mutually exclusive. Okay, so Dr. Greg is saying, if you forgive and it's not welcomed by the other person, then how do I eventually take that weight from my heart? The, the, problem, the problem is that sometimes you will forgive somebody that does not believe or does not aware that they did anything to harm you. Mm. So then it creates a very awkward situation. Prabhu Akura, I forgive you for all the terrible things you've done to me. <laughs> and now I've just offended him because he's thinking, what terrible things have I done to you? I haven't done anything. I've been so nice to you and now you're saying you've done terrible things. <laughs> so that that's part of the problem, and so 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 sometimes we have to be a little bit conscious of that. And then, you know, Bhakti Thakur says, if if we've offended somebody, we go to them and ask for forgiveness. It's different if we think someone has offended us. So sometimes we may want to forgive them. In awareness, they may have no idea that they've offended us. And therefore, we may not want to risk letting them know that they're forgiven. We just may want to forgive them and have a positive attitude towards them and then determine what kind of relationship we want to have. Birds of a feather flock together. Naturally, with some people, it will be beneficial to have closer relationships. With others, it will be more beneficial to have more distant relationships. But the but as we're saying, the whole idea is the attitude has to be proper. What's the Vaishnava attitude? I was just reading about Jayananda. Many of you, have you, of you have heard of Jayananda. And Jayananda, we celebrated his disappearance day. Srila Prabhupada asked us to celebrate his disappearance day. He said he was a pure devotee. And one of the one of the interesting, interesting things about Jayananda is that anyone who knew him will tell you that they never heard him ever say anything bad about a devotee. Wow. And they said even when that devotee was bad, that he didn't say anything bad. He would say, he would always find something good about the devotee. So, yes, it's true, we all have faults. And what does Krishna say in the Gita? Even he performs the most abominable action, if he's engaged in my service, Ananya Bhakta, without any deviation, we, he should be considered saintly. That verse is in the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. And then the next verse says, 
very soon he will become righteous. Now I want to tell you a very nice story. Are you, you want to hear a nice story, everyone out there? Raise your hand. Okay, I can see everyone's hand. All right. <laughs> so, Bhaktivinoda Thakur had a dream. And in this dream, he was traveling to the higher planets. He was chanting Japa and he was traveling to the higher planets. And there was Yamaraj and Narada Muni and Brahman. They're having a conversation. And they were looking at these verses from Bhagavad Gita. It said, A devotee who is a Nanya Bhakta, who's engaged solely without deviation in my Bhakti, if he does something abominable in consideration of, of society, social norms, he should always be considered saintly because he is properly situated. And then the next verse says, very soon he becomes righteous. So they're saying, wait a minute. Here it is said in this verse, Sadur Eva Sabantavya. You should consider him a sadhu, a saintly person. And then in the next verse it says, very soon he becomes righteous. Dharmatma. He performs dharmic activity. And they're asking, but wait a minute. If he's, if he's a sadhu, how could he then later on very soon become righteous? He's already righteous. They had this question and they're discussing it. And Bhakti Vinod came and he said, No. He said, The person who sees the devotee as a sadhu, even though he may uh, incidentally engage in something abominable, he becomes dharmatma. He, by seeing that way, he becomes dharmatma. Oh. Religious. So we have to, <laughs> so, so we are being told in that verse how we should see others. And so so that was the quality of Jayananda. Okay, this person has done so many bad things. Has he done anything good? Let's, let's see. Uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta also would do that. When somebody would complain, then he would say, well, has he done anything good? <laughs> Have you been speaking about, in your sessions on forgiveness, about not taking uh, offense or if someone hurts you, not taking it personally? Mm, only briefly, not not as an entire topic. So if we understand, if we choose to understand that this is this person has hurt me because of my karma, then we don't take it personally. Because if it was to happen according to my karma, it will happen either through him or through you or through someone else. So it will help a lot to actually forgive and to let go of what happened by not taking it personally. Well, seeing that person just as the deliverer, the yeah, postal. Yes. It could have been him or somebody else. Yeah. yeah. We talked about it a little bit, in, but I was taking it from a different point of view, That that uh, although this is, this is a wonderful point also, I was taking it from the point of view that sometimes a person is upset. You know, like when a, when a person is upset, then whoever gets in front of them, they're going to be upset with. And so sometimes we take compassion on the person and think, well, this person is just in a difficult situation, and I happen to be in the line of fire, so I got fired at. Mm. But it also may be that I got fired at because it was my time to get fired at. Yeah, exactly. So there is no accident. There is no partiality. We get what we deserve. That's very hard to swallow. Yeah, and if again, if we go back to that point of well, Krishna loves me, so He's giving this to me for a reason. A lot of times. I see devotees go through situations. They're, they're very, very upset. They're very frustrated, and, they're, and they, and then for a time, for a time, they get kind of go out of character. Like they're normally very saintly, and they're so upset they go out of character, and they're complaining, and they're pointing fingers, <coughs> and then oftentimes, six months, a year later, 
they'll they'll tell me that this was such I'm so much happier now that this happened because by this happening I was extricated from a particular situation. Wow. And I'm so much better off now. And you know how sometimes you're in a situation and you just can't see how to get out of it and then something traumatic happens. Yeah. And it's the only way, only way you'll get out of it and that's and you kind of like force Krishna to do that to you because you wouldn't do it on your own. But you don't always see it when it happens. And then later on you see, well, it was the best thing. I never would have got out of this situation. See, so, the best yeah. thing in these guys. Yeah. yeah. So these mindsets, mindsets can help a lot. Okay, so Joseph is asking, what do you mean punish? Can you explain more? In relation, what, what were you talking about punish? In relation to what? You said that kshatriyas judges. Oh yeah, pun- yeah. Let, let's say it's your duty to, to. Okay, this person has been found guilty, and so he has to be sentenced. So that sense of punishment, or or even as a parent may have to punish a child, but you know they don't have resentment when they're punishing. It, it may be, you know, I wasn't. I was in charge of a temple, and and in, the, in a particular country, I was in charge of. It so happened that if if the cult, the culture was such that if you tried to rectify someone for doing something wrong and you did it very gently, very sympathetically, very kindly, never worked. That's that's my general nature that that works on Americans. You know, please don't do that again. I understand why you did this, but it's going to hurt people and it's upsetting others when you do it. And we really need you to do it this way and not do it that way. That generally works better in America. In this country, that never worked. If I wanted to help a person rectify a mistake, I would have to be extremely heavy. I would have to give them um, alternatives. What do they call that in parenting? Options? Not options. Like It's like a punishment. If you don't do this, I can't think of the word. Somebody out there, what's the word? What's the word? Rewards, punishments. Yeah, there's another word. Anyway, it's maybe not the best parenting technique. But in this country, it was like, if you don't, I'd have to say, um, well, well, it wasn't Bengal, but it was Indians. So, um, so I'd have to say, if you don't do this, this a consequence. That's what I was looking for. It had, the consequences had to be very heavy. And I could no longer be nice to them. I would say, so-and-so, one more time, this is a consequence, and very heavy consequence. And then I would find the person would change, they would rectify. I, I saw that. I saw major transformations in people's lives by doing that. So in my heart, there was no enmity, but the way I was dealing with them, very heavy. I was basically punishing them. So so in retrospect, when I look at that, I felt like, really, if you if you're in a position where you have to punish... It's not perfect unless you're free of resentment. Then you can actually punish properly, objectively, compassionately, and and you're not you're not in the retaliation mode. I'm going to get back at you for doing this. You're actually doing it to help them. And we saw that, and we we've told stories. We saw that with Prabhupada. He, he would get very very upset, very very angry. But it was to make a point, because he knew for some people, if he didn't show that anger, they wouldn't take it seriously. Well, they might think, well must not be such a big thing because Prabhupada was not angry. So, okay.
just want to mention something else that I think it's very important to understand that forgiving doesn't mean becoming a victim or remaining a victim. Uh, if we need to do certain external arrangements, like somebody has to be punished, we have to work on it, or others have to work on it, but the main point is what remains within your heart. So you have to work hard to give up this resentment, to, to forgive, to, to understand in, with spiritual perspective what really happened and uh, become free from this. But externally, some measures have to be taken. And then, you know, see what, what can yeah, be done. You know, we were also talking, in one class, we were also talking about this, that one of the reasons to become free from forgiveness is that these things, free from, not from free from forgiveness, free from resentment, <laughs> right now we're free from forgiveness, we need to be free from resentment, <laughs> is that, that material contamination, it remains in our heart. And, and so, you know, we may think, well, I can't give it up, or it's too difficult, or it's too much work. Our philosophy teaches that if you don't give it up now, when you take your next birth, that resentment is still there. And yeah. then it's going to... Like, you ever notice certain people, they have certain mentalities? So wherever they go, they'll blame people. <laughs> you know, So it's like, I can go somewhere and do exactly the same thing and get the same reaction, and I won't blame them, and someone else can go do the same thing and blame everybody, because that's their mentality, which they cultivated. So... When we talk about purification, I think it's really helpful to understand that that these are these are things we have to overcome to become Krishna conscious. And if we don't overcome it in this life, if we don't work on it, we think, well, it's too hard, it's too much trouble. All right, you want to take another body, you're going to have to work on it then. It's not like if you don't work on it now, you know, it's like, hey, I haven't gone to the dentist in 25 years. Well, you know what? If you don't go to the dentist in 25 years your cavities don't disappear on their own. It doesn't work that way. So then you finally go to the dentist, as I did after 25 years, and they go, oh my God, your teeth are a mess. I don't know where to start. Do you have like a million dollars? Because that's what it's going to cost to fix them. So so by putting things off, it doesn't mean they're going to go away. Just, okay, you know, you want to deal, you don't want to deal with it now? Great. So you deal with it in your next life. It seems to me that the root of inability to forgive is envy. You know, if we are envious of other human beings, uh, then we can't forgive them. Yeah. Exactly, because envy is a means of punishment, and resentment is how we punish. Mm. We, we don't... Envy means we can't tolerate to see that person happy, in a better position than ours. So we hold on to our resentment as a, as an apparent means to... It just... When there's resentment, the the concept of that person is happy. Or the concept, what's even worse, is that other people appreciate that person. Yeah. That, that's like, ah, this person has done this to me, and now I'm hearing that other people appreciate this person. I can't tolerate it. But to come to the point of being able to somehow either appreciate a person who's hurt you, I mean, just just understand it. That's like an incredible, it's an incredible stage of consciousness to come to. Srila Prabhupada said that, uh, you know, you can't, you have to have a lot of money in order to buy jewels. 
So pure Krishna consciousness is like a jewel and price that Krishna wants us to pay is also manifested through this challenge to forgive. Because Krishna, Krishna prema is not cheap. So, you know, we have to we have to really, really understand that I will have to stretch a lot in this life. You know, my mind, my heart, my intelligence so that I can really achieve this highest level. So it's not cheap. And forgiveness, for, uh, challenge to forgive is a part of paying the price to attain pure Krishna consciousness. Well, you know what I like, I like to think? When we're dealing with these situations, I kind of like to think, okay, here's this person, and this person is doing all kinds of things to disturb me. Try to visualize Krishna's behind the person. <laughs> and Krishna's directing this person to you, and then Krishna's standing there and saying, okay, Mahatma, what are you going to do now? Yeah. How are you going to react yeah, to this yeah, stimulus? Yeah, yeah, Krishna's looking at it and going, okay, here's a test. you know, And seeing that Krishna, or I kind of see it like baseball, you know, He's just, okay, Krishna has thrown this at me and he wants to see what I'm going to do with it. Yeah. And if we, if we can think that way, it kind of nullifies the emotional response and it takes it to another level. Okay, this is, this is not about emotional response about getting back. This is about my spiritual life. This is about a challenge that Krishna wants me to deal with. He's thrown the ball on my court and he's looking and saying, okay. And every time, I always feel, when Krishna sends these challenges to me, I always feel like, okay, <laughs> If I pass this one, Krishna's going to go. He's going to go. That was really good. I'm going to I'm going to throw some mercy at you. I would <laughs> feel, I, I, but I I even I feel I feel even more more than that I feel like if I don't pass it, he's going to take mercy away. He's yeah. just going to like, "Okay, you you are you are so bad. Why should I give you mercy?" And now and now because you didn't pass that challenge, you're going to have to like work, you've just fallen down like fourth flights of stairs now you're gonna have to work your way back, back up and i always feel like like every test i pass christian just throws more mercy and he's going oh good i i'm inclined now to give you more mercy because i can see you're not going to give this up i was just reading radhanath swamis many of you have heard what is what's the book called my journey home and it was very interesting in his his, his journey to come to Krishna consciousness, he made vows to follow all the regulative principles just because of experiences in his life. And then after he made those vows, he was challenged in each one of those vows. He was in situations where he was confronted with them. Mm. And he always thought, he said, I can't do this, I've made that vow. So... And, and he really saw it in terms of his relationship with Krishna. So when these challenges come, if we see them in terms of, okay, Krishna's giving me an opportunity to become closer to him by putting this in front of me. Mm. You know, and then if we, if we can be conscious of that, it's much easier to deal with it because then it's like, okay, Krishna, I know you're watching and you want me to act in this way. And then we think, okay, I have to do this. There'll be more mercy there and there'll be more strength to deal with other challenges. Would be nice to hear from our uh, spectators and listeners uh, that ha to, to give us some feedback and to send us some examples and stories of whether they were able to apply these principles and whether they work, so that we can see if these things that we are trying to teach they work. Okay, 
So, so why don't you, any of you who would like, um, send me your story or how you're applying these principles. Greg already did, and then we can read some of them. And it's very, yeah, it's a wonderful idea. It's very, um, we can share because sharing real life experience, it's so powerful because when we hear about other devotees' challenges and how they dealt with them, we become encouraged and inspired. Well, I can also, if he can do it, she can do it, <laughs> tell you a story. <laughs> also, we can discuss why something didn't work. Yeah. We were trying to be forgiving yeah. and then oh, yeah. something good. was wrong. So we can discuss that and find ways yeah. how to do it in the right way so that to get the right result. Yeah, that's good. Very good. So if something you tried didn't work, you know, um, write that down. Send me an email. Send her current email. What's working, what isn't working, how you're applying, and then we'll discuss it. That's a great idea. Okay, it's 9 o'clock and I want to read something from... Madan Mohan. I am reintroduced to Krishna lately through a devotee. I'm going through um, the motions, chanting, going to the temple. But I do not think I have love and faith in my heart. How do I get love to give love and find faith to believe and surrender? What a question. That will take us another hour to answer. But one of the, the best and easiest ways to gain faith is to associate with people who have that faith because it will rub off on you. And especially when your faith is weak, you need to be around people whose faith is strong. And there is power in going through the motions. But ultimately, it's like we cannot force the bhav or the emotion to come within our heart. We can only pray to Krishna to bestow it. Ultimately, so you have to understand what happens in bhakti. Bhakti is not you forcing your way in. Okay, here's here's ten things you can do, and if you do these ten things, you'll be successful. Bhakti is attracting Krishna's mercy, because by but when you attract His mercy, then all the things that you want can happen. And on your own, you can't make it happen. You can only show Krishna that you want it, following the practices, and that's where you get frustrated because you're you're trying to make it like a formula, like I'll do A, B, and C, and it'll happen. But rather look at it towards in the aspect of I'm acting in a way to track Krishna's mercy to change and purify my heart and only he can do that and then associate with people who can help you keep you steady okay yes we read your question Dr. Greg as this comes to an end I want to say it has been my pleasure to talk with you thank you I appreciate your being here our next live broadcast no, um, this is the fifth course in forgiveness. Every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock we're going to be talking about forgiveness. If you go on Christian.com, you will see, I don't know how many of the courses are up there yet, but this is, I believe now, this is the sixth. So there are five. I, I'm working on a website and I, I record the audio. So shortly we'll have all the audio up. You can get it each week, but... On Christian.com, these courses will be going up. I gave 10 weeks on vows and maybe 30 weeks on japa. And all those courses are are on there. And then you can write to myself or Akura personally if you want further guidance. So um, there are courses on Christian.com every evening. But this course on forgiveness is every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Madanha, do you recommend a course for me? I think... 
you know, one of the processes of developing faith is hearing. So, so you can go to every course and hear because something that you hear from some particular devotee is going to awaken your faith and I don't know which course it is. But oftentimes it's it's a certain person that's on your wavelength. So I recommend you hear as much as possible, associate as much as possible, and just keep yourself in the Krishna conscious fire. Anything you want to say? before we well, You can listen to your intuition to choose the course, something you're naturally attracted to, and then check it out. Very good advice. Yeah, and I would like to say that if anyone would like to have like a trial coaching session with me, I will be here until August, so please feel free to contact me on my email, and uh, we will arrange a session either face-to-face or on the phone or on the Skype, and in this way I can try to serve you. Yeah, and another course can do this all over the world via Skype, or if you have inexpensive uh, calling... That you, it's pretty inexpensive these days, so you, you can call him anywhere in the, in the from anywhere in the world, and uh, it's amazing what will happen. What what we're doing on these courses is kind of is kind of general principles that you can apply, and Akura can refine them more and more, and help you apply them directly to what you want to achieve in your life and the particular obstacles you overcome. So, I highly recommend it. I want to thank Akura for coming. I think Thank it was a wonderful. I think it was wonderful, and we'll have him back again. And until next week, thank you and Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Jai.